Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 508 for the 28th of August, 2016. This week, if you've updated to the anniversary edition of Windows 10, how's it working for you? Results have generally been good, but there are some problems. We'll also consider what passes for public relations at Microsoft. In short circuits, trusting Jellyhead Industries and a new plan to eliminate spam. Then in spare parts only on the website, an appealing offer from Opera for Android users. The 2017 edition of Acronis True Image brings some welcome features. The PC was 35 years old this month. Did you send yours a card? And IT professionals have some disturbing questions about the cloud. It took nearly two weeks, but all of my Windows PCs have now been updated to the anniversary edition. How did it work out for you? The updates have worked as expected in most cases, but there are always some systems that experience problems. Let's take a look at some of the problems people have experienced and then review the improvements. Three of the four computers I'm responsible for updated either on August 2nd or the following weekend. The fourth, my primary computer, of course, refused to update, claiming incompatible monitors. The update assistant said, CPU, okay. Memory, okay. Disk space, okay. Display, the display is not compatible with Windows 10. Check with the manufacturer for support. Well, the problem seemed obvious. Because the computer had been running Windows 10 for more than a year, the monitors clearly were compatible with Windows 10. Microsoft support claimed that the Anniversary Edition had more stringent requirements for monitors. However, no one at Microsoft support was able to state exactly what those new requirements were or to name any brand or model of a monitor that would be compatible. What I found eventually is that the Anniversary Edition wants monitors no smaller than 1024 by 600 instead of the previous 800 by 600. Well, my monitors significantly exceed those specifications. In fact, the entire system significantly exceeded all specifications. For example, Microsoft says Windows 10 needs 2 gigabytes of memory. Mine has 32. Microsoft says you need 20 gigabytes of disk space. Well, I had 280 gigabytes free on C and a whole bunch more free on the other drives. Microsoft said that I needed DirectX 9 or later video drivers with WDDM 1.0 driver. Well, the NVIDIA GeForce GTX 950 has support for DirectX 12.1. It also supports OpenGL 4.5 and WDDM 2.0. And as I mentioned, the monitor had to be at least 1024 by 600. You know, mine is 1920 by 1080. Then, 12 days after the initial Anniversary Edition update, Microsoft pushed out an interim update, and voila! Once that had been installed, the hardware detection process no longer saw the monitors as being incompatible, and the update installed exactly as expected. 
My conjecture is that there was a flaw in the function that examined hardware, and even though the monitors were fully compatible, the fact that they were reported by Windows as generic PNP caused the test to fail. Apparently that is not one of the more common installation problems. If you have encountered any installation problems, Windows Central has a summary of the most common issues and recommendations for solving them. There's a link to Windows Central from the TechBiter Worldwide website this week. Some of the problems that have been reported there, general update failure, reverting changes, Windows Update Server connection issues, your computer lost power during the update process. That could be serious. Software and drive compatibility problems, insufficient storage, damaged or missing installation files, some activation failures, dealing with settings that don't migrate to the anniversary edition, Cortana not being available following the update, and some failures with specific error codes. Windows Central can help with a lot of those. And Windows Central is not a Microsoft operation. A subsequent update to a notebook computer on the Windows Insider program has caused the control panel to crash whenever I try to view the update history, and the power icon on the start menu no longer works. That's not really a big deal. These are problems that Microsoft will eventually fix, but it is infuriating that those who report such problems are constructively made to feel that they have done something wrong or that the problems don't really exist. But enough of that. What's new in the Anniversary Edition, you might be wondering? Well, you're not going to find any must-have improvements in this edition. As with most mature applications and operating systems, changes and improvements now are gradual and evolutionary. Still, there are some high points. Security is continuing to improve. Microsoft says the Windows 10 Anniversary Edition is the most secure version of Windows ever. Hardware-based isolation protects the operating system against attacks. The Edge browser now offers sandboxing that isolates Flash from the browser. Windows Defender is more capable in protecting against malware. Passwords eventually are going to be eliminated. I have been using the Windows Hello function on the Surface tablet to help me log in by just recognizing my face. The Windows Hello fingerprint scanner has also improved this time around. Microsoft Maps could now challenge Google Maps. The interface is good and Microsoft Inc. works well with the maps. If I wanted to give somebody walking directions from the 116th Street 2-3 subway line to Bed and Breakfast Mount Morris on 120th Street in Harlem, I could just draw it on the map, which also highlights the Setapani Bakery on the corner. To be a little more ambitious, I asked Maps to provide directions from Columbus to Bed and Breakfast Mount Morris. It offered four driving options, ranging from about nine and a half hours to ten hours. Any of the routes it suggested would work, but I would choose the one that goes north to I-80 and then east. Edge is Microsoft's browser, the one that will replace Internet Explorer, and it continues to improve, now offers maybe a dozen or so extensions. When compared to the thousands available for Chrome and Firefox, it is clear that Edge has a very long way to go in extensions. But at least my most essential extension can now be installed, and that's LastPass. One welcome safety feature is Edge's policy not to activate any newly installed extension automatically. You have to approve it. Good idea. Unlike in most other browsers, extensions don't find places on the browser interface in Edge. Instead, they appear only on a menu. Instead of a single click to get to LastPass, two clicks are now required. Okay, big deal. But once LastPass is open, it looks exactly as it does in any other browser. 
And now you can bash Windows 10. The most common Linux command line interface, the born-again shell, or bash, is now available to Windows 10 users. Not by default, though. Those who want to use it still need to install it, and they need to be running the 64-bit version of Windows. To enable Bash, start with Settings, drill down to Update and Security, then click the For Developers option and enable Developer Mode. Be sure you read and understand the warning before you continue. The Developer Package will be installed, and you'll be told that restarting Windows is essential to activate all of the extensions. After rebooting, open the old-style control panel, navigate to Programs, and click Turn Windows Features On or Off. Scroll down until you find Windows Subsystem for Linux Beta and select it. Then click OK and wait a while for Ubuntu to be installed. The Ubuntu-based Bash environment is Ubuntu 14.04, which is more than two years old. Once you've done all that, you need to reboot once again before you can start using the Bash command line. You'll see a screenshot on the TechBiter Worldwide website that shows you what it looks like. Unless you know what Linux is and how you might want to use Linux on a computer that's already running Windows 10, there is little reason to work through that process, though. There are lots of other smaller changes. As I mentioned, this is more of an evolutionary update, so some of the improvements might not be something you'll even notice right away. For example, now you can set active hours for Windows Update to limit the times that Windows will reboot to install pending changes. The largest chunk of time you can block out is 12 hours. So you can tell Windows not to reboot any time between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. or 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. or whatever. Cortana continues to improve. Now, I haven't yet been able to snuggle down next to her, but she really does have a lot to offer. Microsoft says Cortana learns about you over time based on the information you provide in the notebook, becoming more useful every day. A notebook in this case is Cortana's notebook, not a notebook computer. She can suggest things like books to read or movies to see based on what you like. She can even detect things like flight or shipping confirmations in your email and offer to track them for you. But as smart as she is, you control what Cortana knows through the notebook. You can edit or delete what's in it whenever you want. So depending on how paranoid you are, this might be a really cool feature or it might be frightening. At the beginning of the program, I said we'd talk a little bit about Microsoft's PR agency and wonder if there's anything new there. Well, there's not much new. Based on my own experiences and those I have seen reported at Microsoft's support site and various other sites, I had a couple of questions for Microsoft. Now, of course, it is impossible to contact anyone at Microsoft directly, but the company does have a public relations agency that, in theory, is supposed to be able to seek out the information from inside the black box that is Microsoft and provide a certain amount of factual information. In practice, it doesn't work out quite that way. Based primarily on what I had personally observed, I asked this question. My conjecture is that the hardware detection routine was faulty and threw a bogus error message. It seems that the detection routine has been patched and no longer detects compatible monitors as being incompatible. Can you or someone at Microsoft address that issue on the record? Here's the response. Windows 10 continues to have the highest customer satisfaction of any version of Windows. If a customer has any issues during their upgrade to Windows 10 or upon upgrading to the Windows 10 anniversary update, we offer free customer support at www.microsoft.com forward slash support. Did you hear anything in that response about 
incompatibility, monitors, or anything that Microsoft knows about it? Yeah, I didn't either. Well, then I tried a two-part question. What statistics do you have on successful upgrades to the latest version of Windows? Based on my experience and what I have seen discussed on the Internet, it would appear that most updates are succeeding. Are you able to release any statistical information? Here's the response. We are really pleased with the global reception to Windows 10 at Microsoft devices and excited to see over 350 million monthly active devices running Windows 10. In fact, Windows 10 continues to be on the fastest growth trajectory of any version of Windows ever. Businesses and politicians today seem to live in extreme fear that some of the words they utter might actually mean something. There is absolutely no useful information in either of the responses from Microsoft's Public Relations Agency, and I can't bear to characterize those responses as answers. But I can't really fault the agency either. After all, Wagner Edstrom can do only what Microsoft allows it to do, and the agency is probably unwilling to rock Microsoft's boat. Microsoft is the agency's largest client and has been since the early 1980s. What's needed is a decision by Microsoft's public relations vice president. The identity of that person, while probably not a closely held secret, is not something that Microsoft makes easy to learn. Certainly, the public relations vice president is listed in some of the public filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission. One presumes that the public relations vice president reports directly to Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella, who should have some say in how the company responds to the public. Microsoft really needs to examine its public relations policies, consider what it can do to be more transparent, and communicate those new policies to Wagner Edstrom. I can't imagine the frustration of being a Wagner Edstrom employee who is forced to respond to legitimate questions with little more than drivel. But let's end on a high note. Windows 10 is clearly the best version of Windows ever. And those are my words, not Microsoft's or Wagner Edstrom's. It may be better than Apple's OS 10, but it is not perfect. Microsoft and Wagner Edstrom do the company no favors when they deny, obfuscate, avoid, and use canned statements that have no functional content to answer legitimate questions. Windows 10 has many outstanding features. The anniversary update adds more. But Microsoft should stop acting like there are no problems. I am reminded of the time when Bill Gates infamously and disingenuously claimed that Microsoft software had no bugs. So the bottom line, if you made the jump to Windows 10, the Anniversary Edition update is something you should be sure to obtain. But if you're a Windows 7 or Windows 8.1 diehard who saw no reason to upgrade to Windows 10, you'll probably also see no reason to obtain the Anniversary Edition update. circuits. Would you trust Jellyhead Industries? And let me explain that Jellyhead Industries is written in Leet, 
In other words, it's J-E-L-L-Y-H-3-4-D. That's Jellyhead. Industries is 1-N-D-U-5-T-R-1-3-5. Just check out the TechBiter Worldwide website to see how the name is styled. Anyway, Jellyhead Industries is a British company that seems to want to be taken seriously for dealing with advanced computer threats. Well, for starters, the company might want to change its name. But whatever. Jellyhead has signed a deal with Cameron Technology Solutions to become a value-added reseller for that company's Perception cybersecurity application. The application was developed for the UK government. It is a bio-inspired network security system. I'll try to explain what that means in just a bit in plain English. Jellyhead provides cybersecurity services to several UK police and fire services, and the company says that the Perception application will complement its customers' existing computer network security systems by identifying unseen potential threats. Jellyhead's managing director, Simon Twigg, says the application provides a new approach to dealing with information leakage and advanced threats such as zero-day vulnerabilities, targeted vectors, and rootkits. Perception gives good guys a sustainable advantage over the bad guys, he says. Perception has no rules-based architecture. Instead, it adapts to the network's changing profile to identify malicious activity. That's the bio-inspired part. The developer also claims that it can detect slow, unauthorized external extraction of information. If you'd like to know more about either company, you'll find information at the links provided on the TechBiter Worldwide website. One to Jellyhead and one to Camring. <laughs> Crowdsourcing and social networking are everywhere these days, and Bulk Club says they can be used to fight spam, too. Brothers Don and Mike Citarella of New York City's design studio, Era 404, initially set up the process for friends and family. Don Citarella says that friends of friends started asking if they could have an account, too. We had no idea it had become this popular, he said. When people provide their email address to businesses and online services, it's likely to be shared or sold to advertisers and third parties. Bulk Club gives its members an unlimited number of forwarding addresses that cannot be used to send mail, but can be used to receive mail. If one of those forwarding addresses receives spam, the member can disable it. The real email address remains hidden. Before any email is forwarded to member inboxes, it passes through a filter based on Bulk Club's member rating that is crowdsourced from Bulk Club's social network. If more than half of the recipients tag the senders as spammers, Bulk Club holds the emails instead of forwarding them. Members can then decide if they want the held emails to be delivered, otherwise they'll be automatically deleted eventually. You might be wondering about privacy. In fact, you should be wondering about privacy. Many services, such as Gmail, can view entire messages you send or receive. Cinderella says that Bulk Club analyzes only email headers, the sender's email address, originating domain IP address, mail server location, and things like that, not the mail itself. Bulk Club is free. Don Cinderella says there are no hidden fees or in-app purchases. Although I've asked the company for information about how they monetize the service, I have not yet received a response. 
Bolt Club's website hosts other free features, such as the ability to search email addresses and domains to see their member ratings. If you'd like more information, check the Bolt Club website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Nothing too bulky in spare parts, which is only on the website. This week, an appealing offer from Opera for Android users. The 2017 edition of Acronis True Image brings some welcome features. The PC was 35 years old this month. And IT professionals have some disturbing questions about the cloud. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.